0: This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Well, hey, everyone, and welcome to an episode of the Auto Repair Marketing Podcast with Cam and Brian Walker. This is going to be episode number two, and in this episode, we're not going to talk much about marketing. This is going to be our story so that we can refer back to episode two as we need to, so If you're here looking for marketing, just go on and skip to episode number three. Go back to episode number one where we're talking to Chris Cotton. Anyway, this episode is going to be Cam and I telling our story.
1: And we'll go ahead and start with the domestics. He told you to skip over it. I say listen because you'll really get to know us and understand why we are here to talk about marketing anyway. So I say listen, don't skip.
0: Thank you to our friends at RepairPal for providing you this episode. RepairPal is the key that unlocks more business for your repair shop. Learn more at repairpal.com forward slash shops. So why is it that we have the authority to talk about marketing an auto repair shop? And it goes back a lot further than just our agency now. That was actually my career. I was a Mercedes-Benz Master Tech. Uh, I was actually... Uh, the youngest person to ever become a Mercedes-Benz Master Tech at 22 years old and was the diagnostic technician for Leith Mercedes-Benz in Raleigh, North Carolina. Kim, tell us a little bit about your career.
1: Well, I was really going to elaborate a bit on yours, but I know that you say I talk too much. But my career is in education, which makes perfect sense because what do I do now? I teach. But I went to college to be a teacher. So my undergrad is in elementary education and my master's is in school counseling. So I was a teacher and a school counselor. I taught eighth grade, fifth grade, and fourth grade. I liken all of that to what I do today because I'm a teacher at heart. I was literally born. God put me on this earth to teach, connect, and serve. And so I feel like the connecting and serving comes from my school counseling part because while I was counseling and helping parents and teachers and the school community, I feel like I counsel shop owners now. You know, I just like to listen and talk to them and connect people to resources and and help them accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. So Brian's got the technical background and I have the other part of it. So it's kind of a perfect fit.
0: So, you know, as a technician... Like so many other techs, I used to do side work, you know, so I was a dealer tech. I had a shop at my house and, you know, would, uh, had some used car dealers that, uh, used me on the side to, uh, to do work specifically on Mercedes. I had always known that I wanted to open a shop, but I was comfortable in the dealership world as a diagnostic technician. I was salaried, you know, so I didn't have to worry about flat rate when i was working flat rate i turned a lot of hours because i worked on mercedes and nothing but mercedes and you know when you're working on one car line you get to the point where you can really crank out the hours so you know i was comfortable at the dealership but I always knew that i wanted to own my own shop and one day kim decided to come have lunch with me you want to talk about that
1: <laughs> yeah so you know, it was kind of strange because I was a teacher, a school counselor. I don't remember what I was at the time. I think I was a school counselor. And so I should have been in school, right? But I messaged him and was, I think I gave him some lame story about running an errand, even though my school was like 30 minutes away from where he was. But I gave him some weird excuse for why I was in town. I was like, hey, come meet me.
0: Well, it was Valentine's Day as well.
1: Yeah, that's right. I totally forgot about that. I had him meet me at Arby's, of all places. Without getting into a whole long story, I suspected that I was pregnant. And so I rolled up into the Walmart and bought a pregnancy test, took it in the bathroom at Walmart, and completely panicked, called my mom before I called Brian from the Walmart.
0: Hey, we see where where I fit in.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so went back into the store and bought like a little onesie and I think like a teething ring or some kind of baby stuff and put it together in a little gift bag and told Brian to meet me at the Arby's. And so I gave him this gift for Valentine's Day at Arby's. And so sitting in Arby's, he opened this gift bag to see a pregnancy test that was positive and the baby stuff.
0: Of course, it was an amazing day. I mean, everybody, uh, you know, I mean, I'm sure everybody has awesome stories about finding out that they're going to have a baby. <laughs> at, while Arby's. at Arby's. <laughs> but anyway, with, um, with
1: curly fries.
0: <laughs> you know, there was so much going through my mind at that time. And one of the things that I knew was that, man, once that baby was in our household, I would probably never leave the comfort of the dealership. So I made the decision, you know, of course, with Kim.
1: Now, fun fact probably forgot about this. We were, we really kind of had two kids at the time already because my niece and nephew were living with us. So we had had that firsthand experience of how kids kind of take over your life. So I think that's probably what fueled Brian's thoughts about if I don't do this now, I never will.
0: Yeah. So, you know, we, we had the discussion and we always like to laugh about how, uh, we were in our bedroom, and oh I'm laying across the bed, and I have a post-it note writing down what all of our expenses are going to be.
1: Not a big post-it note, y'all. Like the little traditional, just tiny, a little post-it little note. square.
0: And ironically enough, all of the expenses fit on the post-it note.
1: Um, false.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so. Years later, you got a, a profit and loss statement that's, you know, two or three pages long and balance sheet and all that stuff. And, you know, it's just it's funny that uh, all of the things that we could think of that would be the expenses for that shop fit on that post-it note.
1: Which was like four things, just to be real.
0: There's a long story there, and um, we're not going to get into no. that in this episode. But anyway, eventually, you know, after having the shop open for a little while, I needed help. Well, gosh, this goes all the way back to this was after Peyton was born. And
1: well, look, I got <laughs> he's going to kill me because we're trying to really get this whole story in very succinctly. But there's a super important marketing part to this story that he's leaving out. And that is the name of our first shop. Oh, yeah. You know, as marketers today, if we were working with a shop who a guy, a uh, guy, girl, whatever, who's opening a shop. And they told us this was their name. We would be like, no, it's not. No, you cannot name your shop this. So,
0: so the name of the shop was behind the star. And if you know anything about Mercedes, then it probably means something to you. But <laughs> or
1: maybe not.
0: If you're not in that world, then it means absolutely nothing to you. And of course, you know, behind the star when I was a dealer technician, uh, people would get trophies and awards from Mercedes because we were the people behind the star. And, you know, of course, when you're driving a Mercedes, you're riding behind the star, you know, the hood ornament out there. So I had the genius idea that genius. I was going to name the shop behind the star. And I did name it behind the star. And my world pack rep at the time, Beverly Pitt, she absolutely loved that name and said that it was the most amazing name that she had ever seen from a shop. But she wasn't my client who was, (laughs) you know, out there not having a clue what the sign out there in front of this big metal building that says behind the star actually was.
1: We did ultimately change the name, but we'll get to that. So this is what Brian was trying to get at, is that he really needed... Well, the other thing we're leaving out, marketing-related, right? You said we weren't going to talk about marketing, but this is marketing. He specialized in Mercedes-Benz, and this first shop... It was a dump. I didn't know how far you wanted to go, so I'm glad that you used that word. It was pretty awful. And if we're going to go there, we're going to go there. Remember that I was pregnant and left my career and joined him in this shop, and I remember sitting at the desk... And I would get chigger bites all on my legs because we had chiggers in the carpet. All right. There. So look,
0: we're from the south. Not everybody knows what chiggers are. Chiggers are these little the little red bugs that they will bite you and embed themselves under your skin and they itch like they're crazy. so tiny you
1: really can't even hardly see them. But anyway, we're getting way off topic. So get back to I joined you in the shop.
0: All right. So just so y'all know, you heard something that you will never hear. And that's Kim getting us back on topic. (laughs) That's the most ironic thing ever. (laughs) Anyway, we were there for a while. That shop was an absolute dump. It was not representative of what we wanted to build. We had some success in the business. We're able to build up uh, some income and we ended up moving to a shop that was in Apex, North Carolina it was completely across town from where we were. So we really did have a, a different client base, but it was next to the the wealthiest zip code in North Carolina. Like literally across the street was the wealthiest zip code in North Carolina.
1: And, and next door to how many dealerships?
0: Oh yeah, it was, it was right in the middle of Dealer Central in Apex or Cary, North Carolina. And, um, you know, this shop, we really did it upright. It was a beautiful facility. A really nice waiting area. It was great. And we changed the name, we changed it to Peak Automotive because Apex was known as, or is known as the peak of good living at the shop and, and at the previous shop. Well, you know, at first when I opened, the idea was to be Mercedes specialist and People, of course, would bring us their BMWs and Audis and Volkswagens and Citrons and all kind of stuff. Oh, my gosh. So that's uh, another story. We changed the shop to be Peak Automotive. We were European specialist, And you and know we
1: hired somebody to actually do a logo. Like we did all the right things. We were so proud of ourselves. And our logo was really, we loved it. It really spoke to... Like the European feel and high class, all that.
0: I love talking about sponsors of the podcast who have already worked with and who have used before. So today, I'm super excited to talk to you about RepairPal, which, if you didn't know, will introduce your shop to new customers through RepairPal.com, the largest site for auto repair, and through the recommendation of their partners like USAA, CarMax, and Consumer Reports. Our shop was in RepairPal certified network, and it was great for getting new customers who were looking for more than just oil changes. The average RepairPal customer spends over $600 on their first visit. I loved it, especially because we all know that consumers still mistrust repair shops. But the millions of customers that visit RepairPal.com monthly, they trust RepairPal certified shops for their high quality and great service. And there's no fear about being overcharged, so we were able to just focus on the repair. I highly recommend you check them out. It's the way to grow your business. Go to repairpal.com forward slash shops, get one month of service free, and save $150 off certification. But we wanted to be better than the rest. And I think that everybody who opens a shop, they always think, well, I can be better. And you know, for us, it wasn't just about fixing the cars, it was about the customer service that we provided. You know, so we wanted to really provide that concierge experience, but we struggled. And the fact is, is that I had never become a businessman. I was a good tech. I was not a businessman. Kim was, was not a, a businesswoman. woman. Um, we had some really rough times in the beginning of that business I remember I used to get these like half fold newsletters in the mail, like printed newsletters in the mail. And it was from management success. You'd open it up and there'd be a picture of a couple sitting on the beach uh, (laughs) on the front of this newsletter. And it was like, man, that's what we want. And if you know, Kim and I, there's no place we would rather be (laughs) than the beach. So, um,
1: but we weren't like super big beach people back then. So we, we kind of saw the, card almost like i remember when brian first showed it to me internally i kind of laughed i was like yeah right as if we're ever gonna go sit on a beach somewhere now we kind of live on the beach but
0: but we ended up going to one of the weekend like local seminars for management success and um we became a client of theirs it was great They helped me to become the first evolution of what I had become as a a businessman. You know, they helped us to of course raise our labor rate and actually start making a profit for the first time.
1: Well, and also that was our very first, like, you know, we always hear shop owners talking about feeling like they're on an island. That was us. We felt alone. Like nobody gets it. Nobody understands. We're the only shop owners in the world facing these struggles and, That was really our introduction to being involved in the industry and meeting other shop owners and other professionals and coaches and that sort of thing. So it was a combination of all of that that really propelled us or pushed us into a different direction of going down a road of finding success instead of failure and and closing up.
0: So we we were very grateful for that experience with Management Success. We, we did end up leaving them, and we signed up with ATI. And ATI just took things to the next level for us. They were great for us. As much as Management Success helped us, ATI continued that and helped us to become even better shop owners.
1: But ATI is where we really connected with people in the industry. There are people that today... How many years later, 19, almost 20 years later, that we are still friends with, and we closed our shop in 2008, but there are people that we are still friends with today because we met them as shop owners or coaches or whatever they were from ATI. Like it really made a huge difference for us. And it was one of those that a lot of shop owners say now, you know, I can't afford that. No, like you can't afford not to do some of these things. And that's where we were. We just really didn't see how we were going to be able to do it. And it made a huge impact across the board for us.
0: So, you know, from there, we went on to become a Bosch Service Center. We were selected as one of Motorage Top 10 shops, both in 2006 and in 2007. Kim became the president of ASA North Carolina, and I became the mechanical division director. We just got so in, involved in the industry and we were really doing things right.
1: Yeah. I mean, all the things that we preach and we teach, it's because we did it and we know the impact. And, you know, just backing up a little bit again, I—it it is marketing. But when he asked me to join the business, I was like, dude, I'm a teacher. I, I don't know anything about this. And he wanted me to do marketing. And we're sitting here doing a marketing podcast and own a marketing company, and I was like, "I don't know what that is and brian said you're "You're great with people. I know you'll figure it out and I did not connect those dots and know how that related, but you know what I did was hit the road. I was not in the shop, I was out involved in the community and doing all of that stuff. And so being the president of ASA North Carolina, Brian being the mechanical division director, all of these things came together. And so we were really moving along at a pretty good tick or pace or whatever. I don't know what the thing is, always screw that stuff up. But we got top 10 shops. Our Chamber of Commerce had selected us as Innovative Business of the Year. Innovate, like a repair shop. Being named the Innovative Business of the Year. Well,
0: they did that because of us being the Triangle's right. most female-friendly shop.
1: Yeah, so y'all keep in mind that this was back in like 2005, five, six ish somewhere around there. You know, this is before. Like, I love to talk about Ask Patty and that whole female friendly thing that we really tried to get people to implement in their shops. That's part of our claim to fame as being female friendly before female friendly was a thing, and it happened from listening to our customers. I just overheard a customer refer to us in that way and took it and ran with it. But I'm getting to this next bullet point, Brian, in our in our story here, which. You know, I mean, we were really doing things right and the momentum was going and we were being recognized all throughout our community. We were winning all these awards and, you know, the best of this and the best of that. We were on the cover of a magazine for being co-preneurs and it's hanging on our wall in here right now. But, you know, just life was going really well. And we had like, what, 10 tech? How many techs did we have when we closed? There were t- 10 employees, I think. 13 employees, 10 techs. Just things were going really well. We were finally seeing everything come together. And we drove up one October morning. And just to paint the picture visually for you, our shop was on a main U.S. highway. Very, very busy U.S. highway. That was our address. But the entrance to our shop was on the side road. And we drove up to Orange cones and barrels and the road practically ripped up. We were like, what is happening? You know, you have customers who are driving ridiculously expensive vehicles. They don't want to drive through that. And so we encountered a road construction project that cost us, how much did we lose each week?
0: Oh, about 15000 a week.
1: Starting in October all the way through May. And You know, I'll let Brian fill in the rest of the details on this part, but, um, very painful, traumatic,
0: you know, we went from everything is great to, you know, we're, we're a Euro shop, keep this in mind, you know, so people are bringing us Mercedes and BMWs, these cars that are fairly low to the ground and they completely dug up the end of our driveway and it was supposed to be a three week long project. So we're like, you know, okay, we can, we can handle that three weeks, not a big deal. Well, it ended up dragging out to seven months, this road construction project. And talk about like management success and ATI and how they helped me become a better business person. But there are still things that until you experience them in your business, you just don't know what it is that you're going to do or what's going to happen. I did not have the experience at that time. And, I, you know, being a, a young business owner, I ran the business with my heart and not with my head. And I did not lay off any of my employees during that time because they kept promising, you know, it's only going to be so much longer. And we talk about this in, in the podcast episode with Chris Cotton, not, not on our podcast, but on Chris's podcast. If you, uh, if you go listen to the weekly blitz with Chris Cotton, he well, we can a, link
1: it in the show notes. Yeah,
0: he, he interviews us about going through what eventually was the demise of our shop because for seven months, this drug out and, I kept paying my employees and I didn't pay my taxes, you know, got way behind on things and it ended up resulting in a bankruptcy ultimately, you know, and, and that is one of the things that Kim and I are, are proud of is that we like, we paid that bankruptcy. We paid all of it off. That road construction project and being still an inexperienced business person cost us the business. So, you know, we have a a real heart for people that go through that kind of stuff, but we also have a lot of advice for them to keep them from having the same demise that we did.
1: You know, let me interject right there about was just listening to a it was either Jocko or no, it was Tim Kennedy. And Tim Kennedy was telling kind of his life story and someone asked him at a at a point in his life. Do you wish you could go back and change that? And we've I've had people, I don't know if Brian is, I've had people ask me, what would you do differently? I know that you hear people say this, and I don't know, I don't even know if Brian would say the same thing. But for me, you know, hindsight's 2020. Yes, we could have made some different choices at that point in time in the business, but I can look back now and see. I'm not saying that that God had us close our business and file bankruptcy, but I can see how he used all of that and lined things up so that even I'm I'm looking at a text from my son with a picture of him, even our son who is reporting Sunday to West Point, because we moved back home to Louisiana, there are things that have happened with us living back here That would not have happened if we were still living in North Carolina and it helped with getting him where he's, where he is now. So like all these things kind of lined up. And so I would not go back and change any of that. I don't know.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some things that I wish that I could have done different, but not knowing how that would have changed the trajectory of our lives. I would not change a single thing.
1: Your very best friend, Joe Meir. Right. You'd have never met Joe if we hadn't moved back here. Yeah. You know, so
0: there's all kinds of things. So after we shut down the business, we spent still another year in North Carolina uh, after we closed peak and I opened a mobile Mercedes Benz repair service and I tried to be full service. Uh, I watch the guys now that do mobile diagnostics. And had I done mobile diagnostics, I would have been much more successful at it because trying to do full service mobile dealing with parts and everything, it just didn't work out the way it needed to.
1: But even that was an innovative thing because nobody was really doing that at the time. So when you started doing it, by no means, we're still, we're not doing it now. So it's not like it became this huge successful thing. But, you know, you're talking about doing diagnosis only, like nobody was really doing what you were doing. He yeah. he bought, was it a welding truck, I think, that you converted into being your mobile?
0: It's just a big service truck. Yeah. But then, you know, Kim had been doing our marketing at that point for, for years and had great success with it. You know, we were involved in B&I and the Chamber of Commerce and all this stuff. So we, she, in she, business. Had, she had a ton of friends in business who were asking her to help them with their marketing. So that kind of leads into what you did.
1: Yeah, so... Again, also keep in mind, we were in the middle of paying back a bankruptcy, so we had bills to pay, and we sold our house, sold our vehicles. Like We really took it down to the bare minimum and had bills to pay, so people were reaching out saying, hey, can you do for me what you did for Peak Automotive? Will you do email marketing for me? Will you write a press release? Will you do this? And so I ended up starting a little, tiny little bo- boutique marketing gig that I pretty much did from our kitchen table. And again, at that time in our life, I was just trying to help put food on the table and pay some bills. So we started um, In Your Corner Marketing and I was so proud of it because it was a really cool brand and it was fun and it was attractive. And I've totally forgot what you were doing because he was doing the mobile but then he actually ended up going to work for another shop all of this. Stuff. Like, yeah. can y'all feel the pain? Like, all the do this, switch, do that. Like, we were just in... We
0: were in survival mode. D- Very. You know, but I went to work for a great shop in Raleigh, Autohouse Imports. Uh, you know, still uh, that's still a shop in Raleigh, owned by great people, Doug and Donald Rogers. And did that for a little while. But then I just felt like God was speaking to me and saying y'all need to move back to Louisiana,
1: but I didn't believe it. I was definitely against that, and we went through that whole thing where Brian was like, hey, i need I need to talk to you and I feel like God's calling us back to Louisiana." I'm like, no, he's not. you need to go. no, he's not. and just cut it off. And then two weeks later, he brought it up again, and I'm like, Brian Walker, we are not moving back like you've lost your mind." And then like another two weeks or a month later passed and he came home from work and I could tell his eyes were glassy. He was, Brian's not an emotional guy, he's super stable and just kind of like straight line. But I could tell that something was really eating at him. And he, and at this point he was like, you need to sit down. Like, I need you to sit down and talk to me about this. And so I'm like, oh my gosh, what, what is happening? And that's when he said, oh, and so by the way, at this time I was back I was doing a very temporary school counselor job and um trying to get back into the school system He said uh yeah I need you to pray about this because I really think we're supposed to be moving back home and I was like dude seriously I no like I we loved 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 North Carolina our son was in kindergarten Thriving, doing great, having no idea what was going on financially in our lives. So he did. I started praying about it. And literally within 24 hours of me opening my heart and mind to moving back home, God totally changed my entire outlook on what that, you know, I have lots of reasons for why I wanted to leave Louisiana in the first place. So I for sure didn't want to go back there. But it was very clear to me what Brian was feeling God put on his heart, was in unison with with what he was telling me as well.
0: So we ended up, we moved back to Louisiana, and I reopened Peak Auto. You know, I mean, it's what I knew. So I took everything that I had from the old business. I had, you know, saved a uh, you know, minimal amount of equipment and everything. Opened up Peak Auto. That lasted for...
1: In a uh, completely different geographic. Yeah,
0: that, that, I think that lasted about four months or so. We did it with no capital. I mean, with with none.
1: Which, side note, you can go to your small business development center that's nearby and they'll do free market research for you. We did not do that. You know what our market research was? Driving around, counting the number of Mercedes-Benz that we saw. And we're like, oh, we can open a shop here.
0: So I ended up going back uh, back to work for another shop in Baton Rouge. And Kim continued with In Your Corner Marketing.
1: Which, again, came back here. I jumped into BNI, Chamber of Commerce, all the things that we teach and preach, and so I continued that. As Brian was saying, and he drove to Baton Rouge in the Louisiana heat with no air condition.
0: Yep, did not have money to fix the to to buy a new evaporator core for the car. But the
1: skills to do it, <laughs>
0: but yeah. So I ended up um, building websites for people on the side because I built our website at uh, at behind the star and Peak Automotive. And it was something that I just enjoyed doing. I could build a website that worked really well. It didn't look all that great, but I could build a website that that worked well. And I was building them on the side in that Louisiana heat, driving back and forth. It was like, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I ended up leaving that job and started building websites permanently. Kim ended up getting a job.
1: again, like a perfect, ridiculous, like a job that like, It just doesn't exist. I helped open a children's museum. I was meeting with them to offer them email marketing with constant contact. And that's when she said, I'm not talking to you about that. I want to offer you a job. And it was to help open the children's museum. But why I was so appealing to her is because I had the educational background and the marketing. So she could do all of the traditional marketing, but she needed me to help with the new age, modern digital stuff. And so I was able to do marketing and education at the same time. So it's kind of a perfect, perfect thing.
0: But that was when I started building websites from home, that was uh, ultimately the birth of what was five stones media, which is the, that's the legal name of our agency because we were not a specialty agency when, uh, well, not for the first Gosh, seven or eight years that we were in business. We would just do work for local businesses, you know, no matter what it was that they were. Then a few years ago, we started specializing in auto repair uh, because that's where our passion is. And, you know, we have the love for the industry and everything. So,
1: But that was even a really perfect storm, how that came about, which goes back to, you know, it was pre-COVID, which we'll talk about in a minute. You know, we rebranded Moaca. Well, we didn't rebrand Moaca. We branded Moaca, which was ASA Mocan. You know, just like automotive repair shops have coaches, we had a coach in the agency world who had been telling us you really need to specialize. You need to specialize. You need to specialize. Just like our shop was a specialty shop. He was telling our agency, you need to specialize and get away from just working with any type of small business. And so,
0: and I had a business partner at the time too, you know, great guy, but he just could not, um, you know, he was the, he was the creative in the, the business when we first opened up and he just could not ever see, like doing creative work for all one industry. He wanted to have that variety. And I eventually uh, ended up buying him out, which is what allowed us really to be able to specialize uh, because he just didn't want anything to do with it. And I knew that it was paramount for the business.
1: Well, interestingly enough, right, what sets us apart and makes us different in what we do for shops is that we can tell the story of, 40, 50 different shops and make the marketing completely different, which was his concern. You know, his concern was how, how do we work on marketing for a whole bunch of shops and make it different? And that is exactly what, what we're doing. And so all the stars aligned with us being able to launch shop marketing pros right after doing the branding for Mawaka. We pretty much introduced shop marketing pros at vision, that year.
0: Yeah, Sherry Hamilton has been a, a, a great friend. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that whole relationship with, with Vision and, and with Milwaukee. started
1: years ago when we were shop owners. Yeah. It goes all the way back to us attending Vision as shop owners first.
0: So we committed to specializing. You know, we started Shop Marketing Pros. Then, right after we started Shop Marketing Pros, COVID hit.
1: At Vision, the very next year,
0: yeah, we right. were we were teaching at Vision. It was early March. Mm-hmm. They were on the news, you know, the TVs that were going in the conference center. Uh, they were talking about this uh, China virus, about, yeah, <laughs> and it was like, okay, you know, we didn't think a whole heck of a lot about it.
1: And my mom's calling me, who's dramatic by nature, and she called and she's like, Kim, oh my gosh like there's this virus coming over from China and we're going to be locked in our houses and wearing masks. I'm like, mom, you're so ridiculous. Never going
0: to happen. This is is, America.
1: Yeah, I'm screaming at her from the parking lot at Vision. I'm like, you've got to. She was completely emotional, erratic. I'm like, get yourself together. My mom has anxiety. so I, I was like, take a pill and take a nap. Like you've got to calm down. And we come home and a week later, we're wearing masks in lockdown. And I'm like, mom, you were right. But what happened was shops were labeled as essential services and were able to stay open and people were working. And so they still had to get their cars worked on. And
0: so I believe it was AASP Pennsylvania reached out to you and said,
1: Actually, it wasn't Pennsylvania. It was Minnesota because I was supposed to be teaching. So there's AASP Minnesota and various places. But I was supposed to be teaching at a conference in April for them. And they had to cancel, right? Everybody had to cancel. And so they called or emailed and she said, hey, we've got to cancel this class. And so I ended up coming back to her. And someone had just asked me, which goes back also to you always hear us talking about they ask, you answer. Someone asked me. Kim, how how am I going to market my shop in this crisis? You know, it wasn't labeled a pandemic at the time. And so I said, let me write a blog about it. That's probably the best thing to do. And so I wrote this blog. And so when the class got canceled, the conference, I reached out to her and I said, hey, I just wrote this blog. Why don't you let me turn it into a class? And, and this is before Zoom was a, a household name. I told her let's teach it online. I can just teach it through Zoom as a webinar, and she was like, "That's a great idea." And we had like six hundred people register for that class. And Charlie Burke took the class with World Pack and great, also longtime friend, wonderful partner in the industry. Charlie reached out and said, "Hey, uh, you know, I, I need you to teach that class." And we had, I think. 1,200 people register for that class. And I think we had about 700 actually attend. And it just really put shop marketing pros on the map. And I had people reaching out like crazy, teach this class again. And I think I taught it six times that first month of COVID. And I Because of that, shops realized I got to get my website updated. I got to take appointments online. I need to, you know, we need to run ads my social media presence needs to be good. So being that company that was out there kind of leading the discussion about marketing your shop in a crisis and partnering with all these wonderful people in the industry, it really just made a huge difference for us as a company.
0: Yeah. So, you know, that kind of leads to, to who we are now. You know, we are, we're shop marketing pros. We do primarily digital marketing for auto repair shops specifically. Like we do not take on a new client that is outside of the auto repair space. And, you know, we're just like in our shop where we wanted to be better. We wanted to provide that concierge service. That's the same thing that we do in our agency.
1: Yeah. I mean, we've even shifted personnel and We've moved, you know, a lot of people that are familiar with Danny doing ads, we moved Danny into a position of customer care, customer success, and she stays in super close contact with them and we listen to our customers. So when they have a baby, we send them a gift. When someone passes away, we're communicating with them and sharing that we care and really just trying to go over and above and really do the right things for our clients. They are not just not just a number. We, we really value being a partner with them in sharing their story.
0: And uh, tactically, we focus on what we refer to as foundational marketing techniques. So, you know, there is a lot of smoke and mirrors in, in marketing and there's a lot of shiny objects in marketing. And we don't dismiss those things because you know, there's always going to be something new that's going to come along that is going to be the next big thing when it comes to marketing. But we don't just, you know, jump in head first from the beginning. We we want that thing to be proven, you know, before we do that. So we we look at those foundational techniques, you know, which uh, primarily is going to start with your website and your search engine optimization and Google ads and your social media marketing and your social media advertising We know that when you do these things and you do them well, it works. And we're going to talk about a lot of that in this podcast. And we will talk about those shiny objects. Also, we'll talk about the shiny objects. We'll talk about the smoke and mirrors because you have to know about those things, you know, but we also are real big into not doing that copy and paste marketing.
1: Oh, yeah. We see it all the time where you can copy the text from a website and put it in google or copy the text from a social media post and put it in the search bar in facebook and come to realize there's a ton of other shops that have the same exact content that is very proudly who we are not you know i've had people ask me how how do you differentiate the marketing for so many repair shops don't know how you're doing that. And I'm like, well, because they're different people and they're in different cities and they're working on different cars and their customers are different and their techniques are different. And, you know, so it's, it's really not that difficult. It just takes some care and some intentionality. And that's what we do.
0: And then that brings us to the auto repair marketing podcast. You know what you're listening to right now. So, you know, what to, what to expect. We're going to have a good mix of bringing in Experts to talk about marketing, bringing in shop owners to talk about you know what's what's working in their marketing. Sometimes the podcast will will just be us. Uh, sometimes it'll be us and our and our staff. We employ over twenty people now. You know, so we have a lot of people with a lot of different uh, specialties and, and expertise. And you could look at this podcast and say, oh, well, they're just doing that because they want to grow, you know, their business. And and of course, you know, we we definitely want this to be a tool where people get to know who we are and would possibly hire us at some point. But Kim and I grew the agency through teaching and we've always been ones that when we teach people and we see them go put into action, what it is that we teach them and we see them have success in their businesses from that, we get more excited about that than if they come hire us and say, Hey, do it for me. We, we love teaching people and we love, you know, having a positive impact on their business. So, you know, that is what we will do, you know, through this podcast is teach you how to do your own marketing or how to work with the marketing providers that you're, you know, already working with to make sure that you're getting the most out of what it is that you're doing. So this is going to be the place that if you have an auto repair shop to come listen weekly and Learn how to become better.
1: Yeah, I just referenced that in the class that I taught in our Facebook group earlier today, but it all goes back to when we were shop owners and we read the book Good to Great and we read Raving Fans. We believe that from our teaching, that when we teach you how to do it, you're going to go and do what we told you to do and it's going to work and you're going to love it. And so we're going to, you're going to be a raving fan of ours or You're going to start trying to do it and realize I don't have the time for this and ask us to do it for you. And again, we still get a raving fan. So we want you to have raving fans and we do too. So that's, that's why we're here. That's what the podcast is all about is helping shop owners in this industry to be better.
0: So Kim, tell people how they can connect with us.
1: Yep. So my nickname is Queen of Connections, which we didn't talk about that. That could probably be a whole class by itself. I mean, a whole podcast as well. But connect with us, email. Guess what? It's super easy. Kim at ShopMarketingPros.com. Brian at ShopMarketingPros.com. No matter how you spell it. Join our Facebook group, which is Auto Repair Marketing Mastermind. We teach classes in there and it's just a great community. You can also find us at industry events where we're teaching classes. Typically, you know, you have to submit your classes for this, but typically we are always at Vision Apex in Vegas, A-S-T-E. We're super involved in lots of the organizations teaching for ASOG next month. So find us at industry events, but you can also always just go to shopmarketingpros.com and of course, follow us on social, but we would love to hear from you and also reach out to us If you have questions, you know, there's going to be times where we're going to be doing um, podcast episodes that are answering the questions that you have for us. So if you have questions about marketing and auto repair shop, send it over to us and we might be using your question in one of our future episodes.
0: All right, y'all. Well, thank y'all for listening. I'm glad to get this episode done to kind of create that foundation of who we are. And I'm really looking forward to getting in here and teaching y'all how to grow your shops through marketing. So we will see y'all on the next episode of the auto repair marketing podcast.
1: Be sure to share it. You know, if you have friends in in the industry and you feel like this story might help them in their shop, we'd love for you to share this with your friends. You've been listening to the auto repair marketing podcast with Kim and Brian Walker. Follow the podcast on your favorite listening app. Find their emails in the show notes and visit them at shopmarketingpros.com. Let Kim and Brian know what you want discussed, because they're all about advancing the aftermarket.